Hey everybody, it's John Willis again, the Deming Profound Podcast. I've got a small group of listeners. It's growing nice, but you know, for y'all that have been listening, I apologize for being in this lull here for a few weeks, you know, life, the world. I haven't produced any content. And, you know, I know that it's it's important, you know, when you're doing a podcast to to get to, to keep a rhythm. And I'm terrible at that. But uh, but anyway. I, I really thank you all for, for listening and please reach out to me. And uh, a lot of, there's a bunch of you that I'm going to get on the podcast. So I know we've had dialogues on Facebook and also and, and LinkedIn. So I, I haven't forgotten. So I'll be pinging you at a certain point, but yeah, I got into a little bit of low. And then one of the things I was thinking is just doing uh, periodically, just do a podcast where I'm just the only one on the show. So I figured today is a good one for this. And, and the thing that um, I've been thinking about this for a while, but I wanted a good topic. I didn't want to just you know, rant away. And But one of the things I've been doing is I've been going back to, in fact, it was this, I don't know why I didn't, haven't gone to this resource. It's like now I'm thinking, oh my God, it's an amazing resource. Deming.org, the Deming Institute. There's a uh, trip Babbitt has been running a podcast since 2014. And I started at the top, you know, I was uh, going, you know, to, you know, just work my way backwards. Like, let's see at the latest, you know, the idea that maybe going all the way to the beginning, you know, I learn more if I start from like the, the latest ones and work my way back. And then um, there was a couple of mentions of the one in particular about a podcast from Ron Moen. And I, I totally dissected it, went all the way back there. And then I realized, let me look, let's maybe a better idea is start from the first podcast, which, which they did. And and oh my goodness, the first like uh, say ten, there are these amazing gems of uh, podcasts. And you think about 2014, and you know one of the first ones, or the first one that he does is with uh, Kevin Cahill, which is is Dr. Demi's grandson, right? And and you know he wound up inheriting the I think inheriting he he basically deserved it after Deming died. Deming's daughter went ahead and created the Institute. And then, you know, when Kevin, you know, so it was at career age, he basically took over. Now he runs the Institute. So it was a great uh, podcast about growing up with his grandfather. Um, in fact, there's a really interesting story about the the day that the, the NBC aired the, the famous, if Japan can, why can't we? He was, he was sort of trying to figure out, like, why is his grandfather going to be on TV? You know, so the, I, I'm going to I've got a nice story about that that I'll be telling in the future. But so that's a good one. And then like a, a couple of podcasts later is Claire Crawford Mason. Now, Claire Crawford Mason was the producer for the NBC documentary. And oh, my goodness, she's brilliant. Uh, I mean, just. I mean, just her her ideas. And again, I'm going to probably try to create some blog articles about like some of, the, you know, not just her career, you know, not just this podcast, but her career. And so I started sort of Google searching her whole career. I, I knew about her. I didn't know what a fan, you know, in a fantastic story her life was. And then anyway, on and on. And then, you know, Adria Gabor, one of my, not my sort of best, best Deming book, but but it's one of the best. And then, and then uh, Daniel Robinson has a great story podcast. So these are all early podcasts. And so Dem Robinson, so like all the greats, right. And what's interesting is 
they're catching them at the sort of tail end of the stuff they were doing in the you know mid to late 80s and 90s so these are all sort of fabulous perspectives that are starting to get lost right like you know i i you know i tried to look to see if i could get clear um, he said on on a podcast, I, I can't, you know, she's probably 86 years old right now. So I'd probably be um, rude to even approach her. Although, you know, I'll, I'll keep my eyes open, you know, because she's just, I mean, she blew me away. All right. But the point here, as I ramble, is there's a podcast that you would think, you know, like sometimes I'll look and I'm like, well, I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to skip that one. But then there was a podcast that referenced back to this Bob Brown, and, and it's, it's, he was a CEO of Great Plains Coca-Cola Bottling out of Oklahoma. And, um, and you know, again, another fantastic podcast. And, you know, so this is a guy you probably would never heard of. He's, he's an Oklahoma. He's got a little bit of an accent, which is cool. And, you know, and basically, if you know how the Coca-Cola system works, right, like Coca-Cola doesn't really do anything but like license syrup. And so he, you know, his father had built this this very successful bottling company. He went, you know, he went and got educated in a business degree, came back and ran the company. And he talks about how the, you know, how when he first out of college, it was all about, you know, finance and numbers, right? And, you know, it's probably the seventies. And then, you know, in the eighties, it became competitive advantage. And so the, the trip Babbitt asked him and, you know, he asked everybody on the podcast when he gets podcasts is like, what was your Deming aha moment? And, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Claire Crawford had a very good story and, and uh, even Kevin Cahill had this, like, he asked him, like, what was one of your ahas with your grandfather? And the same thing with Adrian Gabor and, and Daniel Robinson. But this Bob Brown says, you know, I never had an aha moment with, with Deming. And he said, to me, it was a journey. And he talks about how, you know, like he saw a video on Deming and he said, you know, Deming is hard to understand. He, Deming talks like this, you know, and, you know, and I agree. Like, and I'll, I'll tell you my story in a minute. And then he said that he was at some seminar in Duke and it seemed on TQM or, or quality. And he, he started understanding a little bit better. And then, you know, and so there were these events that kept happening where, and, and one of the things he did, he talked about the, the profound knowledge, the theory of knowledge. And the way he described it for himself was like in sort of a Western culture, although, you know, we think when we learn new things, we try to put it into things we already know. And so he, he was using that as his, there was no aha moment. Like I saw this thing and it felt weird and squishy. <laughs> And I heard it again, and it, uh, it sounded like maybe it's interesting. And after a few times, it became this sort of uh, elongated aha, right? Like, we're like, I, oh, I think I get it now. And then you sort of, you flip, your your brain sort of flips into, you know, maybe I don't really, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know the best way. I mean, theory of knowledge is it's basically epistemology, but, but maybe at some point you start questioning, like, your sense of knowledge, which basically is epistemology, like, like, that, you know, that, that it isn't deterministic. It isn't, you know, like maybe I don't know what I don't know. Anyway, and that his journey made me think, like, what if somebody asked me what my aha moment was with Deming? And I said, wow, this is going to be a great podcast. Oh, not great. Well, you get to determine whether it's great or not. And so, so then I wanted to just do a podcast where 
you know, I wanted to think if what if what if somebody asked me, you know, John Willis, uh, Galoop, what was your demi aha moment? And I'd say, well, you know, very much like Bob Brown, I didn't have an aha moment. So, so I'm going to walk you through the journey. Some of you heard it in some of the prior podcasts, but it just be fun. You know, I think the first in my demi journey basically starts with Golrat, right? And and so. You know, for those of you who know, the DevOps days has been running. So the first one is, was in 2009. You know, I, I was, well, the first one actually was 2009 in, in Ghent with Patrick DeBar. I was the only American at that, that event. And, you know, it sort of opened up, you know, and I've talked about this in the past. And I came back and I was working at Chef at the time. And Jesse Robbins, who was the CEO of Chef, he was also the chair of O'Reilly's Velocity Conference, which is really sort of the, before we even met, you know, when we really use the word DevOps and anger, that was the place, you know, like it, it could have been called the DevOps conference, you know, right. It, it was about web operations and acceleration and infrastructure and operations. And that was Jesse's sort of, you know, especially, I mean, Chef was sort of a software company by sysadmins for sysadmins, right. And, and I went to him and I said, Hey, do you think O'Reilly would object if we put, and, and Velocity was sort of a mecca in, in you know, back in 2009, you know, um, you know, I, I forget sort of the, certainly in, in 2010, when I started getting involved with it, like it was, the thing was everybody that was really interesting that you knew or was starting to learn your sort of this group of like amazing people were all going to be there. Like that's the thing you knew about Velocity, which was, you know, usually it was June or July and it was out in, you know, out of sight of San Francisco, actually, I think Santa Clara. And, you know, even even the hotel, the lobby, it was like you couldn't wait because you were going to see Ben Rockwood and you were going to see Damon Edwards. And you're like, I go, list would go on and on. And so I asked Jesse, I said, you know, you think O'Reilly would get upset if we ran an additional day, you know, on our own, like we wouldn't ask for any money from O'Reilly at the end of the Velocity Conference. Like, so Velocity might have been Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or actually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And what if we ran uh, this new type event called DevOps Days on Thursday and Friday? And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Jesse got back and they basically O'Reilly said, yeah, you can do it. We don't care. You know, like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to help you or anything like that. You know, we don't, what is this DevOps thing anyway? And so, um, so basically we ran it like, you know, Damon Edwards, myself, you know, the, Mark Hinkle, I think, was involved. It was a nice list of people. Certainly, Andrew Clay Schaefer was a big, you know, help. You know, we put this thing together. We ran it actually at, um, yeah, I think, LinkedIn was where we ran the first one. And they gave up their facility for like a day or I think it was a day or two days. And I think the first one might have just been a day. I, in my memory, I can go back and fact check, but who cares? But anyway, long story short, that's where I first meet Gene Kim. We're on a panel together. Eugene Kim, the Phoenix Project author. For those of you who are, aren't in this echo chamber, I'm in. And anyway, you know, there was uh, we were on a panel together, and you know, and and you know, Gene at that point was sort of, from operations perspective, kind of famous because he wrote a book called Visible Ops. And we had agreed to meet at uh, at South by Southwest, which was sort of later. And we, we met at South by Southwest and we went to sort of lunch and we had this great conversation. Gene wasn't completely bought in on, on DevOps. 
And then, but I, I sort of walked him through where I, I think this thing is going to be big. And, and then he told me about uh, this book he was writing. It was about five years into it. And it was called, it basically, I, I forget what the, it had like three or four names before it actually became the Phoenix Project. But one of the things I always said that Gene gave me this gift. He said that, I, you know, I can give you an early manuscript. And, and by the way, Kevin Bear was one of the co-authors and, and, and Stafford was also. But he, he said, I, I think before I give you a copy of this early draft that we have, you should read a book by Elliot Gorak, the goal. And, and I was like, all right, fine. And I read, you know, I just, you know, it, it was like I consumed a goal, right? I read the, you know, I read the goal and then I read, you know, I, I, I read the critical chain. I read like four books. Like, I, you know, give me more, you know, in fact, I even remember calling Gene and saying, is there any way you can do an, an introduction to him? I'd love to talk to this guy. And Gene's like, yeah, sorry, he's dead. <laughs> and, and Gene and Kevin actually have a great story about how they actually had a phone call with them, you know, and I, I get to regale with Kevin, you know, Kevin Bear. I, I work with Kevin Bear now, so like, it, it, like I get to hear great Kevin Bear stories, right? Um, by the way, if you don't know, Brent was somebody that Kevin worked with, and that, that person's name is Brent, and they weren't really crazy about the fact that Kevin didn't change his name in the Phoenix Project. So, but anyway... Uh, side story. Anyway, so I I, I, I sort of consumed Goldratt. I it, it just fit the way I thought, right? And and then then I think it was you know, and then I then around 2011 maybe Ben Rockwood. We I talked about this in the prior Ben Rockwood podcast. If you haven't listened to that, Ben Rockwood is like insanely awesome. And he he did a presentation. I to this day say that two of the best presentations I've ever seen in DevOps, and I've probably seen more than anybody at DevOps days, probably DevOps, or, but is Ben Rockwood's 2011 DevOps transformation and Andrew Clay Schaefer's uh, There Is No Talent Sorter. I mean, those are basically the longstanding still two best presentations. Well, in Rockwood's digital transformation, he says, you know, that, by the way, you know, a lot of this stuff has come from prior, you know, some prior art, maybe not the best way to describe it. But and he walks through like Fred Winslow Taylor versus Deming and Toyota Ono and Shingo. And, and he, he lays out this, by the way, like we like a lot of, you know, because for those you probably already know, already know. You know, that, you know, when we say lean, it was really mostly derived from the U.S. academic observation of what Toyota production systems was doing in the 70s and 80s or, or probably the 80s, but what they had accomplished. So so there's no deming yet. <laughs> but and then and then, you know, Ben Rockwood has this presentation in 2011 Okay, well, there's a couple interesting people. I kind of knew about Ono a little bit, but and you know, like you, this whole thing about Deming. So it's very much like the Bob Brown, right? Like, all right, I've got this goal rat thing going, right? Like, so oh, I love them, and I've read this, and I've read that. Or more often than not, is I've heard enough about him that I need to learn more, right? That's the answer you hear. And I was sort of in there too, right? Like, I still won sort of. Deming hooked. And then I think it was the year later, we had a DevOps days in Mountain View. And we had, it was an open spaces. And it basically the topic was theory of constraints, which is Elliot Gorat's sort of, you know, manifesto, if you will, you know, so 
and early on in the conversation, and I'm going on about go right this and go right that, and and Ben Rockwood in a very sort of kind, loving way. I felt it was like to me he was tapping my head of son, son. It all goes back to Deming. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, it's Golrad, man. Golrad is like awesome. I read all his books. Gene's going to have a book, you know, that's going to be a modern day version of the goal. And he's like, John, John, you know, it's like Kung Fu. Like, you know, you, you must seek. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the thing is about Ben Rockwood, the guy reads like, you know, I don't know, some gazillion books a week. You know, he's just so educated, especially on this subject of sort of operations research and, and I'm like, you know, hey, you know, and I knew Ben. And I was already sort of, you meet Ben, like, you just like, oh my God, like, 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 it, it's just, you know, a, a platonic love affair, right? Like, you just like want to be around him. You want to talk to him. If I go to Seattle, man, it's like the first thing I'm doing is calling. I'm making sure I'm scheduling a lunch or a dinner with him. And so I'm like, all right, well, you know, let me check this thing out, you know? And, and so I started digging deeper into Deming and, and very much like Bob Brown, I like, I, I, I found that like system of profound knowledge was probably the place to start. Right. Like, you know, like that was his latest work and his latest book. And boy, I, when I was reading Deming stuff and I was just having a hard time really understanding this thing. And uh, there was a couple of areas of system of profound knowledge that really were, it's like, I, I really couldn't, I mean, system variation, I was sort of a little bit in, I didn't really understand uh, theory of knowledge to the extent that I think I understand it now. And systems thinking, again, I have a much deeper appreciation for how Deming got there. But 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 I, I th- that one variation in system thinking, I could sort of rock pretty well. Theory of psychology, I'm like, what in the heck? And you know, and, and you know, so and then well, you know, I I, I started just like I, I've got to understand it. And I, I guess the other thing that drove me, which was one of the things Ben had done in his 2011 presentation, which sort of stuck in the back of my head, which was at the end, he did a call to arms to say, you know, take the torch and, you know, sort of follow through, you know, like if somebody, why don't you take what I've done here and stand it? And I was, I was preparing for a keynote presentation at, at a puppet conference. I think it was 2013. And, and it actually wound up not being a keynote, but it was originally I think set up as a keynote. Who cares? Right. And I thought, you know, maybe like something about Deming. And uh, and Golrad has this audio book that he did, which he called Beyond the Goal. So he's something that he wrote like 20 years after. It was an audio only. And it's just uh, fascinating. I mean, it's his observations of 20 years after. And it's uh, and in fact, you know, Gene and I did a Beyond the Phoenix Project as sort of a tribute. So we have an audio book called Beyond the Phoenix Project, uh, where I do talk about a lot about Deming. He talks about Golrat. We talk about Lean as, as sort of the fa- fabric of, of DevOps. But in that audio, the Golrat's audio, uh, Beyond, the, Beyond the Goal, there's a point in which he starts explaining complexity and system thinking and how physicists think differently about this. And I've done presentations on this quite often, or, you know, that, and, and, and it really is mind-blowing to sort of like the, to understand and and after he does all that he says oh by the way Deming and myself both were educated and got PhDs in physics and I thought you know is there something interesting there like there's like both of these guys are these you know they're sort of different than all the other management thinkers what they say is counterintuitive I wonder if 
like anything from quantum physics or the sort of second scientific revolution affected them in a way that, that why they are so different than everybody else. So I started going back and trying to understand this change that happened in the, you know, you know the early 20th century of what was going on with just science, but specifically physics and what would have Deming. So Deming is basically born in 1900. So he's going off to college at, at 1918-ish, and he's working on his PhD in the, the mid to late 20s. And and so I was trying to envision, like, like especially the kind of person Deming was who was always seeking knowledge, a boundary spanner, right? Like, of course, this, what was going on with, you know, Schrodinger's kid, cat stuff, Schrodinger, or, you know, some of this, you know, as you move from Newtonian to quantum and, like that had to, and then early on he was heavily involved in, you know, like his engineering degree was very focused on uh, sort of mechanics and stuff like that. So, so he would have picked up stuff from statistical mechanics, and and so I started this thing called Deming to DevOps. I'm like, okay, I'm in on the Deming thing, and I'm starting to get it, but I really need to understand why he thinks the way he thinks. So instead of just saying, oh, somebody told me a system problem knowledge and Drop the mic. I mean, aha. Like, I'm more like Bob Brown. It's like he's reeling me in and reeling me in. And, you know, like anything else, you know, sort of go back to the why of him. And, and you know, as luck would have it. So if you're still listening, as luck would have it, it might have been 2014. There was a DevOps days in Rome. And there's another beautiful little just became a good friend of mine, Mark Burgess. So Mark Burgess, if you don't know, was originally, you know, a PhD. I think he was a professor that changed over to computer science. So he became a professor in uh, University of Oslo as a uh, you know, computer science professor. But more importantly, he created an open source tool called CF Engine way back when. And, you know, I, I like to tell my narrative of that, you know, that, when Mark took over, you know, took the, uh, you know, the professorship as computer science, he also inherited managing like all the computers. He looked at and like, what in the heck is doing? He's a, you know, he's academia. So they, they treated it as a science project and basically created a whole new genre that we today call infrastructure as code, right? Which basically, you know, you had CF Engine, Luke Kines, the founder of Puppet was basically a power CF Engine user, user who felt like, he needed to modernize some of the early CF Engine stuff. So there you had Puppet, Adam Jacob, power user of Puppet, basically same issue, cloud was coming out. He needed to sort of modernize his, his better, better stories I've told in, in my presentations about this, but he creates Chef, but they're all based on these principles, you know, item potency and desired state. And again, I won't go too far into that, but, but the, so we're at this conference on a Saturday. So it's a DevOps day in Saturday in Rome. And, and Mark and I are talking about how, like I said, I'm not going to go back till Monday. I want to go ahead and do some sightseeing in Rome. And he said, Oh, the same as me. So we decided to meet up on Sunday and it's like, it, like one of those days I'll sort of remember for the rest of my life, which was we literally just walked all day through Rome and we had no, like, we didn't even know where we were going. We didn't have a map. We sort of look up like, Hey, that's the Colosseum. Hey, there's the uh, Spanish stairs and like, you know, and, 
what we did though is as we like we in between like seeing like all these sort of interesting places we were just having a great dialogue about science and stuff and and mark is amazing at being able to take very complex ideas and explain them to a level of where you're at so I was really interested now. Okay, so I had this Deming and DevOps. I was starting to learn a little bit more about some history. The head fake, it wasn't really Deming to DevOps. It wasn't sort of Deming to DevOps. It was really Darwin to DevOps. It was non-determinism. And uh, I had read some stuff about like how, you know, Ludwig Boltzmann, the father of statistical mechanics, had basically looked at Darwin's work and tried to play, play physics and gases and then there's this interesting lineage of like Max Planck and then, you know, Einstein's first Nobel Prize. But anyway, stuff that I like, I shouldn't even be allowed to even talk about um, because I'm not smart enough. But but I figured, you know what, let me really understand this. And I remember, you know, Mark explaining in detail, like the Planck Planck and why it was important and why it was a linchpin. So, uh, and in fact, I've got him queued up for a podcast. So I wanted to recreate that, right? And it just opened up it was like you know physics for dummies or non-determinism for dummies that really sort of uh, drove me and i better understood why you know at a first level why deming was trying to create like his if you go back then you look at his you know his profound you know, system profound knowledge you know theory of systems or system you know it's like okay now i got a much better understanding of why he had a sense complexities and probability you know and then you know, as, as you know, so that so now I'm sort of like I get it, but I'm still struggling with theory of psychology. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to talk about system about knowledge in this this public conference, I better understand. Like again, I I could uh, I had enough understanding of this system profound knowledge. You probably already know this. So four lenses: one is uh, theory of knowledge, the other one's theory of uh, variation. There's systems. And the fourth is theory of psychology. So I had the first three. I just didn't have, I mean, I, I'll i tell you, you know, my, on my journey that I have a better understanding of theory of knowledge now but than I did then. But I had enough to, to explain it. But I was like, I still can't explain to a crowd of people theory of psychology. So I tried to read Deming stuff. I read other people's stuff. And, and I just, I was struggling until I hit like these, a couple of video series on YouTube of some guy trying to explain system profound knowledge through hospital patient care. And you know, come to find later on that the healthcare and hospital become one of the strongest implementers of Deming's work, right? But didn't know this at the time. And it's, a, it's almost cartoonish, but the example they use for theory of psychology, which is, I would say, you know, I, again, I don't think I'm still, and I've listened to a lot of people try to explain theory of psychology to Deming. No, like, I don't get, hear any two people say the same thing. So at this point, I would say, or that point, I would say it was about cognitive biases and, and that stuff. And, and the question was then, what this, this video did this, was they used hand washing. And their argument was that, like, you could have all the data, the science, the systems, the variation, all the charts about, you know, why we should do, you know, why everybody should, you know, be, you know, constantly washing their hands in a hospital. But if you didn't fundamentally believe that that killed germs, which is kind of stupid, but like, like that's a cognitive thing. And all that other stuff, you're going to fail in your campaign if you can't take into account 
you know, the, the nature of how people behave, you know, I mean, I mean, empathy or sort of their, 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 their cognitive biases, if you will, right? And I, I think there's better ways to describe theory of psychology now too, right? But, but that opened up the light bulb. I'm like, okay, just that simple example of hand washing is now I sort of get it. And so again, I'm just constantly really, and, and then, you know, uh, we, we move a little further into, you know, uh, so, so at one point I decided, uh, again, back in Rockwood, like maybe I should just give him like a percentage of all money I make. I, I shouldn't say that, but Ben wouldn't call me out on it. But um, I remember one time I was talking to him and he said, you know, I, if I could, I'd love to just switch careers and go work in a manufacturing factory. You know, I think I know enough. And, and he talked about like what he'd learned about operations research. And then on Coursera, there was this course from one of the universities. It was an operations class. I'm like, oh, cool. So I took this Coursera class and, and there was a part of it that explained uh, variation, you know, and it was, it was really sort of uh, statistical process control, right? Which is a big part of theory of variation. It's a big part of Deming's, if you go all the way back to Short, right? He was the inventor of this and, you know, you know, stay tuned. I'll have more stuff if you want to learn more about that. But but the the thing that was always another squishy area is like I explained variation. And then if you talk about Deming's from Stewart, it would be uh, statistical process control. Statistical process control is really sort of taking data points and visualizing them and using using basically statistics you know, in a very layman's explanation, you take all the data points and you plot in progression of things that are happening, particularly manufacturing, but it could be anything. And you plot them with three standard deviations below, above the mean and three standard deviations below the mean. That's sigmas, right? Three sigma above, three sigma below. And and then anything that's within the sigmas, the three sigma above, three sigma below, is what, what Stewart or Deming would call common cause variation. And then anything outside of those, like above or below, so you think of these as upper and lower control limits, which is the three sigma above and below the mean. Anything outside of that is called a special course. So until I took the operations course, I didn't really understand the the real significant that special course was anomalies or you know fix these things, but they were they were actually. You know, a lot of people who sort of describe, you know, their first learning of a statistical process control is special cause or anomalies, common cause, or it's okay. So it's either noise or signal. And that's not true at all. Basically, you know, the special cause are anomalies. They could be black swans or they could be, you know, the machine broke today and, and or it was not quite, it was erratic. Oh, we need to fix that. We didn't put oil in it. I mean, I don't know, whatever, right? But the real interesting discussion is not just common coys being signal versus noise of, of uh, you know, signal noise stuff, you know, special cause being the sort of the, the noise. The, what it really is, is you're looking for randomness in there. You know, so what you don't want to see is patterns of trends, like it's getting higher, it's higher, it's higher. I've got some blog posts on this, but, and then that helped me really understand you know, where the real power is what when Deming talks about 
you know, variation or, you know, the, the system of variation. And, you know, later I've learned more about like Deming was a freak for least squares. And so like, like it goes on and on and on like this thing, like, I don't know that the, the Bob had described this, but when you give me somebody like Deming, like, it's like this, it's like this never ending sort of caves of, okay. You know, it, it, it's, uh, this one is probably not going to make sense to just, or only make sense to a few people. It's like the movie, the big Lebowski. I, I've watched that movie so many times, and every time I watch it, it's like a new experience. So, and then I, I just wanted to go in a couple areas, and then, you know, I, I think another point is, as I dove into, I realized another thing is you really had to understand what happened in Toyota to be able to really talk about Lean, but to really understand Deming's influence, that, you know, sort of the things that he did in Japan that led up to there. So one of the things I realized, and I you know, stumbled across this, and I've, I've heard Ron Moen, actually, one of the podcasts, Ron Moen talked about this later, is like Deming wasn't just like, he didn't like at like 26 years old say, here's the amazing stuff I know. There was a, there's this great quote from Deming, which, or it said that, you know, some student had saw um, him present something, you know, at one point. And then a few years later, they came back to one of his seminars and they said, you know, Dr. Deming, you know, you said two years ago that, you know, so X was this, this, this. And now you're saying it was it's Y, blah, blah, blah. And Deming is like, I will never apologize for learning. You know, I mean, in other words, like, you know, like his stories change. You know, even people talk about the 14 points and like, like they're like, wait a minute. Like I thought the, the, you know, and that. Like understanding that, like we, we again in our sort of Western culture, we think we want things to be sort of either or, or or like yes, this is the fourteen things. Don't confuse me with anything else, right? And I think that was Bob Brown's problem, and that was my problem is that like it's okay to learn something, you know, in 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 two thousand eleven, and learn something else in two thousand thirteen that maybe even contradicts what you even presented, but. So I so to that point, I started reading a lot more of Deming's notes of when he went over to to Japan. And again, there's tons of stuff there, but but he fell in love with that. They fell in love with him and he fell in love with them. He loved the food. He loved the you know, like this, like one of his his uh, secretary. I've got it right here. The Killian, like she wrote, she took all his notes and like it, there's just a lot of like. Like his fascination of like we went to tea and it was, you know, we had sake or and so there was this this sort of this like he fell in love with their culture. And I think, you know, and Ron Rowan talked about how Deming philosophy had changed, you know, and I, I truly believe that, you know, Deming was always what we would call a right left and right brain thinker. You know, right brain being sort of creative and, and, and systems, see the whole system. But I think when he got to Japan, he saw this incredible manifestation of intrinsic motivation. And I think at a time he gets out of Japan, he leaves, you know, people say like all the contributions that Demi had gave to Japan, right? And they called it the, the miracle in Japan. Like he goes over to 1950 and by the time it's, you know, some of that stuff is actually manifest in the sort of late 70s, 80s. They're, they're, it's why that documentary was created. If Japan came weak, because they're just crushing us. 
you know, Steven Spears says it was, you know, author of High Velocity Edge says it was decimation, right? He has some like these great slides of of Godzilla just you know stepping on General Motors and Ford. But I, I think that like it's not just that Demi gave to them, so that culture gave to him. So as he comes back and starts really sort of cultivating his theories, you know, I think, you know, sort of at his last book, which is New Economics, which is where he describes, you know, this is at the end of his life, it's sort of 90, and he died in 93. He describes like this crowning achievement, which is system profound knowledge. I do think that that influence of that culture. So my point is, it keeps giving me a better understanding of why, what are all the sort of ingredients? What's the primordial soup behind system profound knowledge? And then, you know, I think as I sort of wrap up a little bit here, I, I work with a gentleman named Jay Bloom. And Jay Bloom, like Mark Burgess, is one of these PhD, just insanely brilliant, has read everything and has this incredible way of being able to take very complex ideas and like explain them to the level of where you're at, right? So it's just a joy to work with him. We were having a conversation. It's just you know, it's just all things, but we led into Deming and and he had made the comment that one of the big influences, or maybe I'll, 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 now I remember the different. I had read that Walter Stewart had recommended a book to Deming called The World in Mind Order by, by, by C.I. Lewis, not C.S. Lewis, C.I. Lewis, which is, so I like, and I was talking to Jay about it. He's like, oh yeah, that's pragmatism. Pragmatism was, you know, what really sort of the, like almost the jazz of movement of philosophy. And, you know, if you, you know, a famous pragmatist, uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, right? Like the, the whole, you know, don't fire, you know, fire in a the theater, which actually isn't really true. And, but, Anyway, that's another fascinating subject. But, uh, but Jabe was really able to help me. And, and I got Jabe cued where I'm going to actually get him to explain that book, which Deming said when Stuart gave it to him, it took him six. He had to read it six times before he could actually understand it to the point where he could explain it. Right. But the thing was that it heavily influenced the, the his thoughts on theory of knowledge because it was you know, pragmatism it sort of very much, I would say, you know, again, I, I'm not qualified to say for you to write notes and say, John Willis said this, uh, do your own research. But I would say that, you know, pragmatism is a core of epistemology. It's like that idea that, you know, our, you know, like, it's like, we don't really know what we think we know, we might not know. Again, much deeper stuff. And if I was more prepared, I could give you more of what I think about it. But hopefully we'll have Jay on and he'll explain it. But then, you know, that sounds rounding out like the like theory of psychology might have been Eastern way of thinking about like you know, intrinsic, you know, like, you know, the sort of the, the person who works for for a car company, like they, they don't think of themselves as the sort of the brake expert. They're sort of the... That I work, you know, I create great cars with Toyota. In fact, there's a there's a great contrasting quote between Sloan, which was the CEO of General Motors, where he said, you know, we don't build, you know, cars. We we we're not again. I'm like I don't have the exact quote, but we're not in the business of creating, creating cars. We're in the business of making money. And and then you know, Toyota Ono over at Toyota says something like, we're not in the business of building great 
cars or in a building in the business of building great people who bring cars like that's that's this core of like deming probably soaked that in and ultimately by the time he's able to this uh system of profound knowledge like all these ingredients have like worked into him and and then last but not least you know during the pandemic i've gotten a lot more serious about about my deming stuff maybe it'll be a book or like but 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 I'm now capturing all these great stories. So you've probably heard some of them, right? Like did the podcast with uh, Doris Quinn, the nurse, you know, who traveled with him. Like if you haven't seen, heard that one, it's just fantastic. I did the recently one on Hawthorne, where it really was, you know, Deming did his intern at Hawthorne. Hawthorne works outside of Cicero, Chicago. Shewitt was where, that's where he, he created this across control. So I just interviewed this gentleman who just told the story of Hawthorne, which is just, uh, just amazing. So, you know, going back to Bob Brown, that, that CEO of the Great Plains Coca-Cola Bottling Company, I totally agree with him. It's not only, there, there is no aha. And, and in fact, you know, one of the things I don't think he expressed, just like what we say in DevOps, you're never done. So, you know, it's just... You know, I'm constantly even going back and listening to the early podcasts. I'm getting this great insight of some of the, the early giants in the conversation. So, so anyway, um, that's uh, about it for today. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Hope, and, uh, like I said, if, if this is fun, like just reach out to me. Like we can have a conversation. I'll turn the record button on. And we'll just like talk. Like you could ask me, John. Why should, you know, why, you know, another question has come up a lot and I, I need to wrap this up, but is why is learning, this came up the other day, somebody asked me, like, why is learning about Deming important? Like, and, and I, th- I think you just heard my story, but like, I think it's a, it's a question I, I think I want to drive and, and, and really be better at explaining anyway. So thank you for listening as always. Mm-hmm.